Chapter Twelve of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Twelve. No coward may accept ease bravely. Tacitus. On the terrace, Rex lit a cigarette, then listened. Someone had started up a car. He listened more intently. His car, surely? And equally surely, running swiftly now? He had a very boyish love indeed, a most exclusive and unassailable love and knowledge of his car. He had really come out to look for Doro and Pan. But now he limped away towards the stable-yard, where the cars had all been parked. Their own man, who had driven in Rexford, Pembroke, and Pan, was looking beyond the gate. "'Did you start up the car?' Rex asked. "'No, sir. Mr. Greville's took it, sir. Then he picked up Miss Doro.' "'Where's he gone?' Rex said quietly. "'Which road?' "'Rexworth, sir. Going home, I think, sir.' "'I see,' Rex nodded. "'All right.' He walked away at an even pace until he was out of sight. Then he began to run. He ran almost well. He had practised for years. Now he started at a fair pace. His thoughts kept time to his speed. Through the beechwood, then cut across the stream, then the long meadow, down it, it was long too, then the home hill, down it, and then... He was quite aware why he was going, but his supposition happened to be incorrect. He believed... Pembroke had been fairly explicit in his description of his father's attitude towards Pan and its reason. That Pan and Doro meant to leave Hurst Point together that night. He had heard of his father's ultimatum to Pan. Neither Pembroke nor his father, nor any of the hunting men who frequented the house, had ever troubled to restrain the expression of their outlook on certain aspects of life, nor restricted their opinion concerning various people whom they happened to discuss rex at sixteen had a man's judgment on certain matters coupled with a cool unfeigned indifference to the point at issue simply the moral or immoral aspect of certain episodes did not interest him he had listened to pan's conversation sometimes when he had chanced to be in the smoking-room too after dinner or playing billiards with his father he was quite interested in one affair however and moreover he had warm and decided views on it Pan should not hurt Doro if he could prevent it. Quite boyishly now, he thought, as he panted over the crackling heather. Why, the chap's old! He was amazingly hot. It was heavy going in pumps, which gave his bad foot no support. But he did not think of resting. Like a modern film, he grinned to himself. G will be enormously amused when I tell her. He had reached the park. He cut across it obliquely. The going was easier here. His car stood before the door. "'Damn cheek,' he murmured, registering another cause of dislike of Greville. He went in by a side door. The house seemed deserted. Then he remembered all the servants had gone to a dance in the village. He looked in the music-room. A fire glowed there dully. No one there. He drew a blank, too, in the morning-room. Hesitant, he stood at the foot of the stairs. Doro and he shared a sitting-room, opening out of the gallery, which was on the first landing, and then higher up were their own rooms, to which lately they had chosen to add each one other room. He limped upstairs and whistled the old whistle Doro and he had always used. 
he waited utter silence below in the big hall a coal fell with a little soft crash silence again then doro's voice doro at the door of their sitting-room a fur robe trailing about her hello rex hello doro he laughed how long have you been in uh oh a very few minutes were you tired i'd have driven you home i see his voice unconsciously held a note of resentment i see the lunch is home pan drive her yes doro still stood in the doorway rex looking at her more closely moving forward noticed how white she looked you look pretty cheap he said with very young candour we'll have something to drink i'll get it for you you look as if you ought to we've got nearly all that cognac father sent up to the sitting-room for a rag months ago better have some of that he was at the door doro stepped back pan lifting his dark head from a chair where he was resting before the fire said with a yawn i'll have some too rex rex made no answer he limped across to their cache as doro and he had christened the cupboard ages before and stooped to unlock it with a key he carried pan his nerves literally quivering with suppressed rage with a loathing of this boy who had followed them chose to feel rex's attitude an impertinence did you hear what i said he shot at rex rex straightened up easily he assured him with an ironic suaveness in pan's temple a pulse drummed and drummed he had attained nothing absolutely nothing his chance was gone torn from him by this damned sneaking little spy whom of course rexford had instructed he got out of the big chair very slowly and crossed towards rex the sight of him cool his air of self-possession his very youth struck a fury to life in himself as lightning can cleave a rock and destroy it so now his mad rage the outcome of the day's humiliation passion defeat cleft his reason a mist passed before his eyes his face was a little distorted your manners don't appeal to me he managed to articulate rex did not look at him he said perfunctorily sorry and then with more courtesy a drink pan mastered himself with an effort which drained him of strength for the moment he nodded doro had gone to take off her cloak rex set the siphon on the table and poured out some brandy pan came nearer rex's hand on the siphon lever slipped a stream of soda water drenched pan's coat sleeve rex gave a little spluttering laugh exactly the laugh a boy does give under such circumstances inoffensive genuinely amused he checked it very quickly and gave a swift glance at pan's face proffering his handkerchief dash things swerved he murmured his hand still outstretched even then he had no faintest idea pan meant to strike him he saw his lifted arm it conveyed no menace to him then pan's clenched hand descended on his wrist with a hammer blow god damn you you misshapen sniggering little spy pan sobbed at him rex paled slowly as he listened the handkerchief fell from his fingers as he doubled them slowly into his palms and god damn you he said in a whisper 
his lips lifted above his teeth which gleamed whitely as his eyes gleamed fixed in a stare of hatred upon pan's livid face doro's step sounded near rex swallowed visibly with a hard choking sound he said running the words a little together i can't after all you're my guest till to-morrow when you've got to go thank god listen greville i hate you do you hear and one day i'll make you pay for this doro came into the room in silence rex gave her a glass the noise of the others returning was audible he limped down to meet them greville doro and i are in the sitting-room he said a little stiffly there's a topping fire there his father said you three came back early yes greville drove my car a look of relief crossed tony's face he had had a hideous presentiment at the colfax's that pan would dupe him we'll come up he said i think i'll turn in rex volunteered say good-night to the others greville and doro he never again called greville other than by his name he went to his room and bathed his wrist it was badly swollen a little discoloured a slow but vivid colour crept into his face and stayed there a brilliant spot on either cheek End of chapter 12 Recording by Maricel Quee